Hi friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar Sinai. The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar Sinai. Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Thanks so much for joining me each and every Saturday. 12 years. Can you imagine? It's over 500 shows. Thanks to the great Will Orms for putting the sound bites together and having our segment where there's a will, there's a way. I love doing Clapper Vision. And you can't imagine how many people. I went to a gradu- high school graduation party this weekend. Two people came up to me and said, I had lunch with someone. And we started talking. Hey, I listen to this guy on the radio every Saturday. This guy, because I know them at the party, came up to me. He's talking about you, Robbie. Unbelievable. Who knew this many people could listen? I love it. I'm so excited because I get to talk about food and art and sports and my love of surgery. And mishmash it all together. And at 8.15, we're going to talk about food. That subtle greatness called Italian ices. Oh, my God, are they great. Leone's, Thousand Oaks. Greg Leone's going to be my guest. But when I knew he was going to be the guest, it made me think, what is it that's so special? His ices are amazing. But the best part is going there. Because you park the car in front of his building, and there's nobody else around. It's the greatest. And his name is on the building. It's his. All that dream, all that work that goes into it. Something to that. Where in the world of sports? Where in the world of art? Do you see someone who owns the building control your own destiny? Let me tell you something. Someone in sports knows what it's like to not have your own building. And he's doing something about it. Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers. Ramona Shelburne sat down with him and said, Oh, my God, how are you going to be able to do this with the Lakers into Staples Center? But you know what? He's doing it. You'll hear Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman going, get ready, Los Angeles. Steve Ballmer is coming. You're playing in the same city, in the same exact arena. It drives the Laker fans absolutely insane. Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Clippers are breaking ground on their new home. They will create new fans in L.A. that are Clippers fans instead of Lakers fans. How long have you wanted to build this stadium? When I first bought the Clippers, I said, isn't it great? Don't need to build a stadium. Then I buy the team. It's like, whoa. Whoa. It's not our house. This is when, you know, the putting up the pictures of our guys. That's right. That's right. Whoa. W-H-O-A. Nice banners. So I'd say within a year or so of buying the team, uh, I'm starting to get skeptical. We need our own house. And let's make our house a basketball mecca. Just the best place in the world. We're building a fantastic building because we're trying to communicate. We are a fantastic organization. Our fans need to know that. Our players, free agents. It's an identity. He had two previous attempts at owning a team, the Seattle Supersonics, where he was from, where Microsoft was, where he was the president. 
He had to always deal with, hey, well, Bill Gates built Microsoft. You know, you're just running the company. And must drove him crazy. Then he goes to try to buy this because he loves sports. He loves basketball to buy the Seattle Supersonics. And they go and leave, go to Oklahoma City. But he had to do it with a bunch of partners. Then he tried again. A bunch of partners. Didn't work. Guess what? There's no partners. He owns the Clippers himself. He don't have to answer to anybody. Then he shows up at the Staples Center and realizes, what the hell? This is the Lakers arena. It ain't mine. So this arena, it's named the Intuit Dome. It's been years in the making. Today's the groundbreaking ceremony. And I understand that you actually, you teared up going through your remarks for the, the launch event. What's going through your mind at this moment? Oh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for our fans, for Clipper Nation. I'm excited for our team to have our own house, our own building, our own energy, kind of a basketball, you know, an homage to basketball, all about the game. Uh, I'm excited about it. And I'm excited what it, what it can mean for the competitiveness, competitiveness of our team. Steve Ballmer, I'm a Laker fan, but I admire you. We all do because you're making it happen. Too bad it's with the Clippers, but you know what? They ain't the Clippers of old. You are fully funding this project yourself. Um, I hear you've done some extensive research. I mean, you've traveled and visited arenas, I mean, 20 different arenas around the country. What is it about certain designs that you like, and what are you going to do with, with this arena? It really starts with two things. It starts with that bowl where you watch the game. How do you keep people focused on the game? How do you keep them understanding what's going on in the game? How do you keep the noise? And so you want it tight. You want it vertical. Steve Ballmer's father, he's from Detroit, Michigan. His dad worked for the Ford Motor Company, managing the plant. He didn't work for General Motors, which is just a generic name. Ford Motors is named after Henry Ford, another guy who had a dream, who built his own building. That seed is in his head. I need my own building, whether it's Italian ices or Clippers basketball. But what about in the world of art? In the world of art, someone did the exact same thing. And interestingly enough, he's from Detroit and he worked for the Ford Motor Company and saw the building where raw material came in one end and a finished car went out the other. And he said to himself, maybe I can do this exact same thing. Build my own building where the raw talent and art comes in one end and the finished singer comes out the other. His name is Barry Gordy, and he's still alive. He's 92 years old. Listen to him make sense of that connection I'm talking about with the Ford Motor Company. And uh, Mickey Stevens and I and our director, and then we, you know, we had a lot of uh, lucky breaks. I happened to have worked in the Ford Motor Company, and I saw the assembly line cars come in a one-door bare metal frame and on another door a brand-new car. And I said, oh, what a wonderful idea. I think I'll, I, I want to do this with people, you know. And, of course, people wanted to throw me into the crazy house. <laughs> <laughs> Human beings, you can't do that. And so, but we ended up having various sections where we had an artist development. We had a, a 
producers in the studio. We had choreographers from that we brought in. And then we had a woman who had a, who had a finishing school, and her name was Maxine Powell. And, you know, she taught them. And their big goal was one day they would be sitting with kings and queens. And, in fact, they did meet, meet the queen of England. Uh, so she was right. And they were very proper. And Talk about a dream. I'm going to buy this house with a big garage in Detroit, Michigan. And I'm going to make artists that are going to sit with the Queen of England. The Queen of England's going to be delighted to meet my people. Can you imagine? That's crazy. And it happened. Listen to this interview with a dreamer who made it come true, Barry Gordy. Motown was the big success that I had, and it came from a dream. And one that happened to have come true by luck and love and it's a whole lot of stuff, you know. Because I, I, uh, I've been in Detroit and I went to the Motown Studios. And, you know, it's so... Because it's just a house. It's just a little house on a street. That's right. But it's your own house. Steve Ballmer, Greg Leone. It's your own house. It's your own building. That's right. A little house on the street. Did yeah. you live in that house? Uh, yes, I did. I lived in that house that was actually was kind of a house with a big garage, which I was lucky enough to find. And we just set up a studio back in the garage and made it into a studio. And and it was unique. You imagine, you know, when you go to see Motown Studios, you imagine you will drive out and see big studios. But and then when you're in it and you're in the, the small recording studio, you know, and the Motown tracks are playing in while you're sat in this room and it's extraordinary to think of the amount of you know musical heritage that was created in that in that space amazing apart from putting together the talent apart from signing the amazing artists you did what made that motown sound so unique well originality and we tried to make as much truth in the music as we could the truth of how you felt the truth of what your music was saying, you know, and each person would come in and bring another kind of magical feel to it. Mm. I mean, Smokey was first. Uh, well, I was actually first because I wrote everything <laughs> and I produced everything. And then Smokey was my first artist and I was at the top of everything. I was the king of everything um, with a lot of people around. But Smokey came and I made... My first big mistake was teaching him how to write songs. <laughs> you know? And so I was at the top of the totem pole, and soon Smokey was the greatest poet I had ever seen, but he just didn't know how to phrase uh, a song, you know, front, middle, and the end, first, second, third, and structure. Wow. But once he learned that, he just became phenomenal, and he started producing for himself, the miracles and everybody. and uh, But Smokey had so much love in him. It was just incredible. And with that talent and the love, you know, I soon was knocked down from the top of the totem pole. <laughs> and, uh, and other people came. That was Norma Whitfield, Holland Doja Holland, you know, uh, Nick and Val. But controlling his own destiny, having his own building, that's what happens. You need that. It's a risk. Nobody says it's easy. It's a risk. But whether you're owning a basketball team, 
making records or Italian ISIS. It's an awesome dream to participate in. You get to feel Steve Ballmer's presence in this new arena. You can feel it when you listen to Diana Ross. And you can taste it when you taste the Leone's Italian ISIS. We had so much fun with developing that because it all came from love of ourselves, love of each other, and love of the people that we were writing music for. But I'm sure there are record executives listening to this now who are so envious of the discipline you found in your artists because often you know performers it's like herding cats i mean it's very difficult to to, <laughs> to steer them in the direction you want to go yeah. how did you keep them on the straight and narrow how did you make sure they adhered to all your finishing school rules i don't know he says i don't know i i just ah. think that it was the process and the fact that we had various sayings you know competition breeds champions uh, but you can't let the competition get in the way of the love and we stuck with that and uh they all became champions and of course when it's when it's successful and it's growing and and as you say it's all coming out of love and, and people are seeing the results it's great but at the other end when you get to the point where you have to drop someone or if somebody says actually i'm leaving motown how hard was that first comes the success we'll worry about all the rest later coming up next i want to talk to someone who knows a lot about success about building their own building controlling their own destiny it's not steve bomber and it's not barry gordy it's greg leone from leone's italian isis coming up next on the weekend warrior show here on 710 espn this is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show, Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? <laughs> Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. It's hard to interrupt Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5. Mm, but I got to. Because I'm so excited to talk to my next guest, the great Greg Leone, who owns Leone's Italian Ices. Greg, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Oh, anytime for you. Nice to meet you, Dr. Clapper. It's a, pre it's a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. And get ready. You're going to have so many weekend warriors at your shop. I'm so excited for you. Tell us, Greg, before we get started, who are you? Where are you from? What your father do for a living? And how the hell did Italian Ices enter your life? Uh, we grew up in, born in Brooklyn, New York, in oh. Park Slope. Grew wow. up in Bay Ridge, wow. Staten Island, New York City. Wow. And, you know, when you grow up in the mecca of the <laughs> melting pot, you're, you're surrounded by the greatest food. That's right. right. So part of that food is Italian ice, Italian pastries, the greatest pizza on the planet. Right. Um, and, uh... You're singing I my song. Forget about Barry Gordy, <laughs> Greg Lee. Are you singing my song? <laughs> well, you know, mu music and food are very similar because right. it is an art. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm, I'm an artist at heart. I mean, I, I, I've been a musician since 
I was two and a half, and I've been on tour my whole life. I've done I've done a lot. Wow. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it. But yeah. but how did I? The, the question was about Italian. What your father do and, for a living? Wait a minute. But tell me a little bit. What your father do? For, what kind of a house did you grow up in? I grew up in. Uh, my mom and dad got divorced early on. Mm-hmm. I was raised by my mom and grandmother. And my my little brother. Wow. We were we were a small family, mm-hmm. and. Um, my mother was a real estate agent and a school teacher in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Wow! Right by the right by the Twin Towers, and uh, we, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I left New York. Was mm-hmm. was nine eleven was tough for us. My my my, a third of my family all got cancer at the same time. They you know all lived by the Twin Towers, and they all passed away. My mom, uh, the last one, wow. in uh, last March. So, but when that happened, when nine eleven happened. You know, I said to myself, you know what? When I raise a family, I don't really want to, I don't trust it anymore. New York's not the same. Mm-hmm. I can't sit on the subway with my son when he's in high school and, and watch him. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have a son at the time, but my, my child. Mm-hmm. And I had visited uh, California, Southern California. I visited my aunt, who was a director in Hollywood, and, and her husband, my uncle, my mother's brother. I, I uh, visited them in Venice in the early 90s, mm. and we had dinner one night, and she said, what do you want for dessert? And I said, of course, Italian ice. And she said, no, they don't have that here. They don't even know what it is. They don't even know what it is. This was, this was 1992, and I was sitting at the dinner table. I was 21, born in 1971, and I, and I said, you know what? If no one does it, when I'm able to do it, I'll bring Italian ice to California. <laughs> 30, fast forward now 30 years. Oh, my God. And we were able, yeah, we were able to move. I moved to Southern California from, from New York. I drove across country with my mom, which was an amazing trip. Wow. Um, yeah, it was amazing. She, she said, you're not going alone. I'm, com- I'm coming with you. Oh. I said, no. I said, you can't come. You're my mother. And she goes, <laughs> no, I'm coming. So we, we took the great... It literally. What was her name? What was what was your mother's name? Marilyn Leone. Wow. God bless you. And it was the greatest. She's she's looking down right now from heaven, Greg, and she's so she's so proud of you talking to me right now and all the weekend warriors listening to this. It's just a beautiful thing you're making my heart sing. It was uh, it was an amazing trip. I got to California in 2015. Yeah. And um, I and I'm. I'm going to look at my house, my house that eventually my wife and I moved into and my son. Uh-huh. And I turn to, the, I stop at a stoplight and I turn <laughs> to the right. And I look to the right and I see this little shack on a dirt lot. And I, and I pointed to it and I said, Italian ice. Per- perfect spot. And then eventually three years later, I kept my eye on the, on the, uh, on the, on the building, on the, on the lot. No one wanted it. Why? No one wanted, why, why didn't they want they get, that spot? Because they felt like it was a, you had, it had to be owner occupied. If you didn't, there was no real value in leveling it and then building something. It was all, um, it was all self-sustaining. So it had its own septic tank. It, it wasn't, uh, the only thing it was connected to the city with was the electric. Everything mm. else, it had telephone poles, you know, and. Um, wow. So. We, I bought the house, great, greatest place. I landed in the greatest place, I think, in the United States, probably on the planet, which right. is Thousand Oaks. That's right. Most beautiful. It has this, it's in this, ve- in this valley called the Caneo Valley. So if you don't know what it is, 
It's surrounded by the, the Santa Monica Mountains. It sits in a bowl in the middle of all these mountains. Mm. So it has these microclimates. So we, we basically block out all the clouds. Mm. It's always nice. Mm. It's just an amazing place. It's like a scoop and, of um, Italian ice is in a Dixie cup. It, That's it, what it is. It is. It's like a scoop of Italian ice. So this artist <laughs> that comes from New York City, this musician, drops here. And little do they know, I'm bringing Italian ice. And in New York, if you you know, because you grew up in New York. Right, Far Rockaway. Um, you know how you get to my house? You make a left at the gunfight. That's how you get to my house. <laughs> so my so Far Rockaway, do you know, uh, um, Far Rockaway, is the middle street is 116th Street, the beach 116th. I know it. And my brother and I, with my dad, before they got divorced, lived on 127th, so wow. right by you. Oh, yeah, well, I was so anyway, in Bayswater. I was at the end of Mott Avenue. The planes from JFK used to fly right over my house. That's where I'm from, by Jamaica Astro. Bay. You hang out with Astroland. Yes, yes. No, I remember. Oh, my God. You're just. The more I'm going to talk to you, my entire language is going to deteriorate. There won't be any R's in any of the words I'm going to say, and I'm just going to deteriorate in front of you, but it's fantastic. I love it, Greg. You know, I lost the, I lost the New York accent. Mm hmm. In like 15, 16, 17. And then I went back to New York, mm-hmm. stayed with my mom and my fa- and my brother, Andrew. Mm-hmm. And then like a flash, it all came back. <laughs> I lost to California. So anyway, I'm back to square one with the, with the accent. Yes, so, you so, are so a fish. Don't this. even think about saying you lost your accent. Not with everybody listening on the radio to you say, forget about it and get out of here. <laughs> oh, forget about it. The... the uh, <laughs> You're going to know the dynamic between pizza and Italian ice. There is a dynamic. You stand up. You can't sit down. You stand up. You eat your slice. You have a Coca-Cola next to you. You're standing up. And as soon as you're done with that second slice, you go, where's the Italian ices? That's the connection. That's right. And it's a synergistic effect where Italian ice on its its own is is still, you know, great. And pizza on its own is great. But when you have Italian ice and pizza, it's this. I need a cup this of coffee and a cigarette it. right now. I'm, I'm talking to you. This is unbelievable. Right. So so in Staten Island, there's a famous duo, mm-hmm. uh, the Italian ice place um, and uh, Danino's uh, Pizza. So I built the Italian ice place, and then I said, you know what? Let me call the owners from Danino's. I know them. So I called them up, and I said, you know what? I want to bring Danino's exactly how it is, oh, no. the New York pizza. You bring in it to Thousand so, Oaks? Right next door to the Italian ice place. No way. When is that happening? Yeah. Well, it's almost finished. So a month, a month or two, it should be open. Oh but what God. we did was. Oh, you know, am I, I going to promote this? Are you kidding me? Wow. You're going <laughs> to need to have. Right? We're going to need to have like a weekend warrior version of your ices. So they'll come up and say, I want a weekend warrior. And we're going to have a slice of pizza with something on it. It was going to be maybe the slice will be cut out like a W or something. We're going to have to do something I mean, here, it, Greg Leone. It's going to be phenomenal because the top, you know, you could argue the top three pizzas. I'm, I'm a pizza connoisseur. I'm Me a food too. connoisseur. Me pizza too. and ice are in there. Right. So you could say John's of Bleecker. You could say Sally's in New Haven, which I've been to a million times. Right. And you could say Danino's. Whichever you argue, they're all, t- they're all one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're bringing Danino's. But then people started telling me, what about the water? Yep. The California water, is that, is that the problem? Right. So what did I do? I, I, I bought these tanks. 
and I shipped the water right from my hose from California back to New York. And I, and I, and you want to, Dr. Clapper, I filmed the whole thing and I put it on my uh, Leone's Ice Instagram. So there's a whole like little movie in there of bringing the water to, to New York. Oh my and God. we made everything with the California water and it was perfect. In wow. fact, it was so perfect, they ran out of pizza dough at Danino's on, on one busy Saturday night, and they used all the California dough, and no one knew. It was exactly the same. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, well, was, uh, so your exactly other passion, Greg Leone, is music, right? You're a guitar player, right? Yeah, I'm a guitar I was the lead guitarist in Screaming Broccoli and the Mudworms for... Like 15 years, we were on the circuit with a, with a uh, production company. So, so, so how my, are you going to uh, incorporate? This is what I want because I'm a surfer. I mean, my dream come true is to eat a tuna fish sandwich and have surf movies, and I can have French fries in a tuna fish sandwich with a giant Kelly Slater video going on while I'm eating the food. This is like George Costanza having sex with a bologna sandwich under the pillow. Like you want to like combine everything you love all at the same time. You gotta have music you know, at your place. Yeah, well, of, I, of course I play music at the place, and there's going to be uh, live oh. music at the. Oh. Um, I ended up meeting so many musicians, famous musicians out here. They're all. They all say, "Oh, we can't wait till Danino's opens. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do shows <laughs> on the patio. It's gonna be great." But but yeah, my mom my mom always wanted me to be her her dream, and she always told me this was she wanted me to have an an art studio in Soho. I did that. Yeah, I had I my own art gallery in West Hollywood. I can tell you, I'll teach you all about good and bad about having that. But I had it for three years, and it was the greatest. I own my own art gallery because I'm a sculptor. I go to Italy every summer to Michelangelo's Quarry, where he made got the stone for the David. Wait, you go online, Google me. You'll see all the sculptures I make in white Italian marble. It'll blow your mind. Oh, that's amazing. So, so uh, I'm going to make a sculpture is- for your place. That's what I'm going to do. You're going to have a sculpture. From Dr. Clapper, okay. when you open that pizza place, I'm going to have people go, where's Dr. Clapper's marble sculpture? I'm going to give you one. A marble sculpture of the Ice King would be perfect. Yeah, well, you can't. You, I'm Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah. You can't tell me what you want me to sculpt. <laughs> I'm just going to give you one, okay? Calm down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, can so, you hang so, on the line? Because yeah. i got to ask you all about yeah, Italian yeah. ices. I'm already I'm talking to you too much already. So hang on the line. Sure. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with the great... Greg Leone, the greatest Italian ices in Los Angeles, and I'll tell you how to get there and what to do, but the flavors and the intricacies behind it. He's got his own building. We're having so much fun. Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's the most entertaining thing in the world. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. From schwitzing like a piece of tuna fish. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm having too much fun. Can't believe it. 
talking to the great Greg Leone from Leone's Italian Ice. Before we get started, Greg, about what exactly is Italian Ice and this whole journey, I want to take advantage of you being on the phone so that I can play a soundbite, and I want you to interpret for us. What do you hear when you hear Barry Gordy, who started Motown Records, loving the whole idea of having his own building, like the Ford Motor Plant, where the raw material comes in one door and a finished car comes out the other, and how this relates to Greg Leone's dream come true of making his own building of Italian ice. Listen to the soundbite. And uh, Mickey Stevens and I, and our director, and then we, you know, we had a lot of uh, lucky breaks. I happened to have worked in the Ford Motor Company, and I saw the assembly line cars come in a one-door bare metal frame, and out another door, a brand new car. And I said, oh, what a wonderful idea. I think I'll, I, I want to do this with people, you know. And, of course, people wanted to throw me into the crazy house. <laughs> <laughs> Human beings, you can't do that. And so, but we ended up having various sections where we had an artist development. We had a, a producer's studio. We had choreographers from that we brought in. And then we had a woman had a, who had a finishing school, and her name was Maxine Powell. And, you know, she taught them. And their big goal was one day they would be sitting with kings and queens. And, in fact, they did meet, meet the queen of England, uh, so she was right. And they were very proper. And Greg Leone, the queen of England's going to come to Leone's Italian ice one day. How do you like that dream? Uh, that'd be great. What do you She'll think? What do you hear when you hear that? I'm curious. You, you know, you, you're going to relate to this because it's the same with you. You're sculpting, right? Mm-hmm. So the, it's the, the marble coming into your, to your, to your studio and then leaving as a sculpture. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, when you listen to people like Barry Gordy and you listen to people that have accomplished something that you think is, um, is substantial, it's a life lesson. And you mm-hmm. take pieces of it and you can apply it to what you think. You can apply it to, you know, as an artist and as a, as an, I guess you could say entrepreneur and as, as someone that is very disciplined, balanced, focus mm-hmm. is really, is really uh, the key to everything. Mm-hmm. You, you take that and you, and you, you say, well, you know what, then what I was thinking probably was true. Mm-hmm. What I was feeling was true or what I was feeling might be wrong. Mm-hmm. But it, it gives you the confidence in that your direction is correct. When you listen to Barry Gordy, you can't just say oh, I'm going to. Follow. You can't just listen to someone like that and say I'm going to take the exact same steps and end up in the exact same place. That will never work. Mm. But what you do is you take the the philosophies behind what he's saying, the inspiration, and, um, the inspiration, the passion. It, mm-hmm. It's you know I I used to take music lessons with um, a very good friend of mine, Ron Ron Thal. He ended up becoming the guitar player of Guns N' Roses. Mm. And um, he was a prodigy from when we were kids. Mm. He was always a prodigy. Mm. He played everything. He knew everything. He read a physics book. He knew the physics. Mm. He, he was just a musical prodigy. And he's rated right now, prob- I think he's rated the best guitar player on the planet mm. after the, the passing of the great Eddie Van Halen. Mm. Um, but he said to me once in a lesson, and I always remember this, he said, because I was a musical, I mean, I didn't have to practice. I was great at music from, from day one, although mm. I did practice my butt off mm. because you have to be focused to get to a level of, 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 
of, of great achievement, right? Mm-hmm. But he said to me, talent only brings you so far. It's all about work ethic. Mm. Work ethic, discipline, focus. And, you know, when you say, Wait, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn, but we also grew up in the Catskills in Woodstock, New York. Mm. And, um, and that's why we, I have, I know my brother Andrew does too, we have a connection uh, to Mike Tyson in that way, in that dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Now, we didn't grow up in Brownsville. My wife grew up in East New York where Mike Tyson and Biggie Smalls and those guys grew up. She's from, she's from Barbados. Mm-hmm. She's the uh, chocolate ice queen, I call her. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I, I even drew a caricature of her, on, and she's on the – it, it's funny. It's great. <laughs> anyway, the, the, you know, that dynamic of the streets and then the country, mm-hmm. it, it shapes you in a way. Mm-hmm. It, it, it brings you from this hectic grind to a place where you could almost think mm-hmm. and meditate. And, 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 you know, if you listen to Mike Tyson um, talk, if you listen... To I him, did a whole show last early, Saturday about Mike Tyson. You need to listen to the podcast. You'll hear him talk. I listened to it. You did, you did I, listen, I listen to it? it. It was okay. great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I listen to everything okay. that, you know, that he does and that you do. So he, um, when he speaks, even, the early, even on, early on in the 80s and 90s in his career, when he was in his peak, whenever he spoke about boxing... He was brilliant. The philosophies mm-hmm. that Cust taught him, and it's just that you know. And then the media, of course, turned it, turned it into a whirlwind because it was it was you know mm. he was the focus. There was some some crazy life things going on. But if you just listen to him talk and speak about boxing and uh, on the things he knew, mm. he was brilliant. Yeah. And he still carries that. He, he still carries that on today. There's things you could take from Mike Tyson that are absolutely brilliant. So, Greg Leone, I spent two segments with you already. I didn't spend, uh, not a second did we spend on talking about what makes Italian ice. What is Italian ice? And why are you so amazing? Here's here's Italian ice. I don't know if I'm so amazing, but here's Italian ice. At the turn of the century, the 1900s, when the Italians migrated to Ellis Island, New York, Mm -hmm. they brought with them the knowledge, the know-how, the artistry of a lot of things. One of those things was from the Sicilians, I'm from, my family's from Naples, Mm -hmm. but the Sicilians brought pastries and and granita. So if you've been to Italy, for those of you who do not know, granita, in Italian, granulated ice, granita is, how they make it in Italy, is, let's say you just take coffee. Mm -hmm. So coffee is coffee, milk, and sugar. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they freeze it, they wait till it gets 50% frozen, they scrape it. Then they freeze it again to another 50%. They scrape it again until they have almost like a snow cone, mm. much, much better than a, t- than a snow cone. But what they did was when they brought that mixture to America, they put that mixture into an American ice cream machine or an ice cream cranked barrel mm. called an Emery Thompson. Mm. If you guys know the first ice cream machines, it looked like a barrel with a crank on top. Mm-hmm. And they put their mixture into that. And they cranked it, and they froze it, and out came Italian ice. Wow! And and, and, it, and it's the and it's the ingredients of, and that's why I always say Italian American cooking, Italian American pizza from Naples coming to America. The ingredients, yes, far superior in Italy, farm to table. 
it, it, you know, they make their own cheese. They have their own cows that give curd that mm-hmm. they make the mozzarella from. Mm-hmm. And it's far superior ingredients, but the American machinery is on another atmosphere, mm-hmm. far superior than they had in Italy. And when they brought their knowledge and applied it to the American machinery, they ended up making Italian-American cuisine that, that was started, obviously, in Brooklyn. I mean, that's where they went to. Mm-hmm. And then it migrated out to New York City and uh, Staten Island, the boroughs, then Boston and Chicago. And as, as the Italian ice moved out with the Italians, it changed. So all the Italian ice regionally is completely different from one another. Mm-hmm. My Italian ice, we opened originally... In 1927, in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. on the Utrecht Avenue and 72nd Street. Wow! It was not called Italian. It was not called Leone's at the time. It was called Rispoli's. Mm-hmm. My family from Naples came to America with my extended family from Sicily, mm-hmm. and I grew up in a pastry shop with my dad. My dad would take me on the early 70s to to different Italian ice places and pastry shops. Uh, Alba's, Rispoli's, there's, there's all the famous ones, right? That'll, Ferraras. It's an art. That, for, there's Ferraras in Manhattan right. in Little Italy. Right. And um, so what, what we knew was tasting all the Italian ice, of course you narrowed it down to Rispoli's, was absolutely by far the best Italian ice. Mm. So I grew up in the shop, and they used to say to me as a little baby, do you want to learn how to make the ice? And I would say, no, I don't need to know. I just want to eat it. Now, fast forward 40 years, 30 years, I called them up and I said, it's Greg, it's Gregory Leone. I want to bring Italian ice to California. And they said, you're out of your mind. Don't do it. And, and I, I begged them. I begged and pleaded. And they said, you know, after four or five years of being persistent, they said, you know what? Okay, come in. And I sat and I went and wow. worked in the pastry shop for a month with people that only spoke Sicilian, that have uh, only been making pastries and Italian ice their entire life. Wow. And I said, okay, I'm, I said, okay, I'm ready to learn. And they said, okay, go get a pound of sugar. And I said, okay, where's the measuring cup? And they said, no, 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 use your hands. Oh. And I said, my hands? Wow. How, how do you do it? And I put my hands in the sugar and I lifted up and they said, nope, that's not a pound. And, and the guy, my, my friend, grabs my hands, he opens them up puts them back in the sugar, and he says, that's a pound. <laughs> and I say, and now I'm thinking to myself, this guy's out of his mind. I can't learn anything here. And I said, you sure about that? And he, and of course, it's very tough to, um, it's very tough to communicate because they are strictly Sicilian dialect, which is uh, it's completely different from Italian, wow. which I'm really shaky on anyway. I don't know, really know it at all. Wow. So he said, yeah. So he puts it on the scale. It was exactly a pound. No. Way. They do. They do everything by hand, no measuring cups. So I had to learn everything from scratch. So once I, after, you know, four, three, four weeks of solid, you know, 10-hour days, I was, they said, you're ready to go. So I go, come to California, and I call the distributors in the, na- in the area, and I said, these are the ingredients I need. And they said, we never heard of these ingredients. We can't get you anything. Huh. So now I, I'm, I, so now my dream is like on hold. I'm saying, what do I do? So now I have to use, I actually use the same exact uh, distributor that that place used since 1927 to send me what I need to make these Italian ice. So it's not really, I didn't just pop up and make Italian ice and 
say, this is it. I, I'm not bringing, I mean, you talk about the building. This is a perfect segue into this. You talk about the building I built. Mm-hmm. The building is my vision of New York. So when, you, when I'm on this property, which I'm on right now, and I'm looking at the building and the cement and the bricks and the streetlights and everything that I put in, that's all from New York. This is a building from Brooklyn, under the Brooklyn Bridge, that I envisioned in this spot. You're amazing. From the gate. So so I'm bringing the culture. I'm bringing what I want to do is I want to bring the place that I went to as a kid. Excuse me, as a kid. And I enjoyed with my grandparents and parents. And you know what? It's exactly that. Have you ever been surfing? Have you ever gone surfing? You know, after Jaws, not really. I'm going to take you surfing. (laughs) I'm, an, I'm not only going to take you surfing, but Greg Leone, free orthopedic surgery for the rest of your life, okay? If you ever hurt yourself, you now know who to come to. You've got someone in the family now to take care of you. God bless you. What a dream. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's you just forge ahead and you, and you, you know, right. it's a different mindset. I have That's to right. say, I'm going to tell you this. This is, a good le- this is a good lesson. It's a different mindset when you're a worker and you're an entrepreneur. I'm just going to say the word entrepreneur, even though I don't really love the word. I hate that word. When you are a business person. Yeah. You know, when it's a different mindset because we are always in the mindset of where's my paycheck coming from when right. you're a, when you want to work for somebody. Right. Even if you're out of college, you could be the you could graduate the top of Harvard. But when you leave there, you're going to say, which law firm can I go to? Right. I want to go to the best law firm. And Although that's an amazing accomplishment and, and it's great for people, it's different than thinking, what can I do to forge ahead in my life mm. and bring experience to people and, and this art to people? This is this place uh, in, in New York City. Growing up, I was before they had the term street art. I was a street artist. We called it a graffiti artist. Right. I, was a, I was a street artist. I was a musician. I was a composer. I was a studio musician. I went to audio engineering school. I worked at NYU Medical for eight years, the medical center. That's really where the transformation into an entrepreneur came at NYU well, and how I branched off. When the pizza place and, opens, we're going to have you come on again, and we're going to promote the pizza place. But until then, I can't wait for the Weekend Warriors and myself and my family to come there and meet you in person. Greg Leone, I can't thank you enough for coming on board with us and telling us the story. This is one of the big, I've been doing this show for 12 years, and I've had all kinds of guests. But you, my friend, are one of my favorite. Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, I really appreciate much. it. All right, we, we will be in touch for sure, and get ready for the onslaught. And we'll talk soon. Yes. Thanks so much, Greg Leone. Bye-bye. Wow. I want to be, give a shout-out to my friend Robert Grossman and Jeff Grogan, for telling me about Leone's Italian Ice. Unbelievable. All right, we'll take a break, pay some bills, short segment to come back to tell you what we're going to do next week. Oh, my God, is it going to be cool. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's time for Clapper Killies. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Where has this been my whole life? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
Hard to interrupt that song. Good form. I want to give a big shout out to Jared Abrams, who tracked down Greg Leone for me and tracked down the guest for next week, who's the man who's in charge of this crazy sport that's taking over the nation and the world. And it's called pickleball. Trust me, you can't throw a rock and not hit someone who can turn around and say, I either play pickleball or I know someone who plays pickleball. What the hell is pickleball? I'm going to explain next week. We're going to get into it. But it is a fantastic subject, and I'm going to somehow relate this to Richard Nixon opening the door to China with what's known as ping-pong diplomacy. There's a lot of power in having a paddle and a ball. And that's basically what pickleball is. But the story behind opening the door to China with ping pong started with a Jewish guy from Culver City, a, a, a ping pong player, Glenn Cohen. He got on the wrong bus. They're playing in a tournament in Japan in 1971. This wild and crazy guy ping pong player from Culver City, California, He's so wild, he missed the bus in Japan to the champion, to the arena. He doesn't know from nothing. He gets on the wrong bus. He gets on the bus with the Chinese ping pong players and sits down. And for 10 minutes, they looked at this American. Since the Korean War for 20 years, the Chinese are not allowed to have anything to do with Americans. Well, now they got this wild and crazy Jewish guy on the bus going to the arena with them and after about 10 minutes one just one of the Chinese ping-pong players looked at him opened up his athletic bag and gave him the American a silkscreen of a mountain range a picture from China as a gift this Glenn Cowan looked at him and said Thank you. I got to give you a gift, a tie-dye T-shirt, something. And the bus gets to the arena. And walking down out of the bus for the first time ever is a Caucasian American athlete, ping pong player, next to a Chinese ping pong player. The photographers at the time, this is 1971, there's no internet, there's no Twitter, took pictures of these two guys. And Mao Zedong, the head of China, said about this ping pong player, I can't pronounce his name, i got to learn it. He's not only good at ping pong, he's really good at diplomacy. And that started the ball rolling. This Meshuggah, who got on the wrong bus, he missed his bus to the arena, did something that no politician could ever even dream of doing. Nixon gets the credit, but that came afterwards. The ping pong player is who did it. It's an unbelievable story. I can't wait to get the sound bites to Will Orms for next week. Surfing, boy, have I been having a great time particularly last Sunday, with my crew. Because the water was so rough, 
that the computer said, forget about it. Conditions are terrible. But I work all week. I'm busy seeing patients, doing surgery, eating Italian ices. I only got Sunday morning. So I got to go anyway. And I get up to Ventura, park my car in pitch black darkness, and get in my wetsuit. And one of my buddies, John McAtee, says, are you going, Robbie? I said, of course I'm going. That's what I'm here for. I'm getting wet. I don't care what it, the computer says. And he said, well, then I'm going. And the two of us went out into this windy, choppy, paddled out. Guess what happened? It's as though the big surfer in the sky, better known as God, said, oh, my God, that's me, he said, because he's God. Robbie Clapper's in the ocean. I got to flip the switch. He flips the switch, and guess what? Fantastic waves come out of nowhere. And we had the greatest session. And, of course, we end up at the greatest bakery, Good Time Donuts. And that was a great conclusion to my week. Surfing in the conditions that the computer said were bare, but here's the deal. Computers don't surf. So all the millennials who look at the computer to decide whether they're going to go surfing or not said, ah, it's terrible. Good. I love this computer. Someone one day may hijack the computer and say things that aren't true just so everybody believes it. That's why it's good to have what's known as animal time. One of my friends who's a surfer in Hawaii, Todd, he taught me that. Of all, I said to him one day, what's the greatest thing to you, Todd, about surfing? It's always interesting, the answers that I get, because it's impossible to describe. It's like saying, why do you love your wife? You can't, you can't, there's no words. It's a feeling. But I love asking that question. I love asking questions that have no answer. Todd, why do you love surfing so much? Figuring it's going to be the exercise, riding the wave, standing up, whatever, the being in nature and all. No, you know what he said? Because it teaches you how to live in animal time. I said animal time? What's animal time? He says you don't have a watch anymore. Clock, all this man-made idea of time is useless. The dolphins don't wear watches. The whales don't wear watches. The pelicans don't have a watch. You go out. The sun comes up, and then the sun goes down. All this man-made, contrived clock doesn't exist. You live like the animals. Animal time. That's exactly right. That's why you need to get in the ocean. I don't care what the condition is. Miracles will happen. It's not just Smokey Robinson and the miracles. Other miracles can happen. Then all of a sudden, the wind stops. The chop goes away. And now, it's just the two of us in the water. The crowd's not there having the greatest day of our life. Ending up having the greatest donut at Good Time Donuts. So until next week... Can't wait to talk about ping pong diplomacy. And I may even talk about Gene Wilder, the actor, and I'll explain. Until next week, I leave you with Volari.
which means I'm singing and I'm flying, which you and I do each and every Saturday. Until then, I'll see you on the radio.